0: You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at Remax Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at Remax Advantage Plus. Where's my boy? Oh, that's that's my boy. Where's the other boy? You're on mute there. We're
1: doing a little construction here. You can hear it, so I got to stay off the mic this morning. Oh boy!
0: Oh, I guess that leaves it up to me, <laughs> me and Mister uh, Mister Prasky. He'll show up here pretty soon, I'm sure. But,
1: uh, yeah. Hey, but yeah, after a couple of years, I heard you're finally getting replaced on the the WCCO. I know they're bringing in a, a new uh, a new radio
0: show. I don't know if I would call it being replaced. But uh, I know uh, Ryan O'Neill and his group, uh, which is at Remax Advantage Plus with Andy, Andy's team. He uh, is moving his radio show over there. He's had a radio show, I think, longer than we did. Um, but he's all, he's been at like fifteen hundred KSTP. He's been on, you know, a bunch of different uh, channels. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it works out for him. Good. I hope he, I hope he gets Denny Long with him. I don't know if he is or not, but maybe once Andy gets on here, he'll know. So, but they're Denny going. they at 11, 11 o'clock on Saturdays. We used to be uh, at ten o'clock on Saturdays, so they must be. I don't, I don't know the lineup now, but it used to be Andy Lindis, Lindis Construction, and then it was us. So Denny's still going.
1: I thought he retired, huh?
0: He's very, very part time. I think he just works on Saturday mornings. So he's—I uh, talked to him not too long ago. He's doing great. So,
1: hey, before Andy comes in here, well, he'll talk a lot about this too. But this was a big viral image recently.
0: Institutions may control forty percent of U.S. single-family rental homes by twenty thirty. Uh, yeah, I think they've been predicting that for quite a while. That's uh, the whole BlackRock stuff. Um, and big people buying it. I think they're doing that with a lot of companies too. I've seen a ton of people, um, purchasing houses that have been selling their small businesses, kind of getting eaten up by the big businesses. And so I think there's, there's something happening and I think that's happening with rentals as well. They can kind of control it. Hey, Andy. What up? We're just talking about, uh, this little thing right now. Good. Good. You don't want to, I don't want to have property management anymore anyway. So that, that really for well.
2: sure is going to help keep rents down. It's yeah, a great that's idea.
0: No, so. yeah. I don't think, I think it's reality too, though. I think they're buying up stuff and that what they're going to do. I mean, they're, they're huge equity firms and uh, they go out and purchase uh, in big bundles and they can, they can outbid anyone really.
2: Sure. Well, I mean, they have investors that have put literally billions of dollars sometimes into these funds. And they, they have to earn a return or people take their money away. So mm-hmm. then they go out there, they buy single family homes, they're overpaying because all they're looking at is what's the ROI. And they spread that across thousands of properties and, or hundreds or dozens, whatever. And so they can not always get the best deal on one and get a better deal on the other. And it evens out for the portfolio. So. Um, but like
0: you said too, the more they control, the more they can kind of push the rents to those areas
2: as well. Yeah. Well, well, let me ask you, or just make an observation, I should say. So if you have all the big corporations and the big, you know, uh, mutual fund companies that are actually out there going towards single family residential investment, why are people not buying houses or why are people, you know, hesitating to be, uh, you know, rental property owners? Because the writing's on the wall. This is the little hint in your ear. When you say everybody else is running away from housing, they think it's going to crash or it's nervous, whatever makes them uncomfortable with it. And right now, this might be your opportunity to make your move, get into the investment arena, diversify your portfolio, don't be all in stocks or, you know, get an investment property that actually creates income. One of the the best pieces of advice I ever got from my accountant, you know, years ago was you don't necessarily need to put all of your money into investment vehicles because your retirement vehicles, because if you put everything into retirement, do you you really want to be working as hard as you are at 30 when you're, let's say, 62 I mean, you may not want to be working that hard at 62. So if you have other income sources, such as rental properties or whatever, to subsidize your, your direct earnings, what happens is sudden you don't have to work as hard, can work longer, save more. You know, it's like it's just a better strategy. It's, a, it's it, And I never thought of it that way until my accountant pointed that out to me because I was always like, we got to just jam as much money as we can into these retirement deals. And he's like, wait a minute. What if you're 55 and want to take a year off? What are you going to do? Right. Or, or you're what, or a month off and go fishing for the whatever the salmon run up in Alaska and you want to do the whole thing, you know? Right. Because I know that's yeah, that's know, what, what Chris, what are you screaming to do?
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. A big fisherman. Big. I, I really enjoy that. But uh, I was going to say that here's something that Nick can kind of understand in his terms. And it is. It's kind of like in, in colleges, what they look at is measurables. And that's what they do from the desk in New York city. They're looking at measurables and they're looking at a house that says, Hey, it's a three bedroom, two bath, two car garage. It's in this area. It's gotta be worth this much. Well, they don't know what it really looks like. And that's what we mean by they start overpaying for things. And so people are, I mean, it's really hard not to turn around and sell it to these people if I'm going to make more money and you think more about yourself. And what happens is, is that they start gathering up all these properties and then they create a, a income and a, a rental that's right. a situation that's hard to sustain. So, so we well, might just know, find that have, out. You
2: know, yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Cause I don't think unless, you know, the only way, I don't know what the percentage is. The one information bit that I kind of crave to learn is what percentage of single family homes are rentals? Is it a total of, you know, 9% or is it 8%? What is the total of single family homes? And then, you take, if they run 40%, so now they're controlling 2% of the market. Now it's not such a scary headline. If on the other hand, you know, 40% or 50% of houses will be rentals by that same time and they're going to own 40% of them, that uh, that, that could be...
0: Interesting. Yeah,
2: Interesting. yeah. And I, I don't think it's a good thing, honestly. I don't think it's... Anytime anybody has too much control of anything, you know, Amazons or whatever. I mean, all of a sudden you start realizing, I remember when Amazon started and I'm just making an observation. Everything, you could find the best deals. They were the best deals. You know, you can, if I'm looking for the pump and the pumps $1,000 over here, I can find it on Amazon. It would be 350, they delivered for free in two days. Nowadays, it's $900. The only thing they have as an advantage is they can deliver it faster and they have free returns. So it's a service that you're paying for now. It's not the, they're making full margins on those products. And it's, everybody's like, well, that's not fair. We all did it to ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You start ordering
2: your milk through a service and they deliver it. Somebody's got to pay that guy the three bucks to deliver it. I mean, nobody works for free, right? That's Aaron.
0: for sure. Hey, Andy, we were talking uh, prior, and, and Nick had mentioned it, that uh, there's a new r- real estate show on WCCO. Have you yeah. talked to your boys? What 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 happened with that?
2: Well, so uh, the, the Minnesota real estate team had uh, been at a, a previous station for years. I think it was 1150 or something like that, right?
0: It was, a, it was 1130 for a while. I guess, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I, I didn't say that. Did I didn't that.
2: I didn't mean that. I just don't know. I, I just yeah. remember that they were always, you know, they've been doing this longer than you and I have, I think even. And, uh, and it was, um, they've moved around a couple of stations trying to find the right fit. The The biggest challenge with radio is that radio is very expensive. And so you have to find that dedicated audience that's, you know, willing to listen and participate and support the the people on air. And, and so, Yeah. Our old, uh, our old uh, real estate, you know, kind of show now has been replaced with some new guys, and they start, I think, next week.
0: I think, yeah, end of the
2: month. Do you yeah. know if Denny? Do you know if Denny's is doing their show with them? I, I, I really don't. I just got, I got a text that said, "Hey guys, we wanted to let you know before the media knew this is what we're doing," and I was like, "I thought was, I appreciated that," and, um, and it just out of respect. I mean. You and I clearly have been out of that for three plus years. So we're fine. Our worlds are good. You know, there's, you know. Well, it has
0: been three years, hasn't it? Wow. Yeah,
2: three years uh, from COVID. Yeah, pretty yeah. much.
0: Yeah, the start of COVID is when we when we were done.
2: Yep. We And that was a coincidence, by the way. But it's, it is the, that was the, what was it, yeah. March or something we were done?
0: Yeah. Probably would have been done, regardless. I mean, at okay. that time, because they weren't letting anyone in there. And I mean... I don't think they job.
2: still do. I think a lot of it is still remote. I remember, you know, uh, Steve Thompson, the guy that's on there a ton right now, he, he does most of his shows out of his house up here in Champlain.
0: Oh, he does. Okay.
2: I don't know if I'm supposed to tell that secret, yeah. but yeah, yeah a yeah. lot of them don't go into the studio. Yeah.
0: Well, cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, I well, don't... We wish,
2: by the way, we wish them well. And, and I, I tell you one thing I can say, and I know Chris agrees with me, that WCCO audience was so fantastic for so many years they were uh, loyal. They were engaging. It was it. We we actually. I know you don't say you do, but I know we miss it, and we miss those people. We miss the audience. You know, it was uh, it was a lot of a commitment for two guys like us, where we're running full speed businesses with with people, and and that was a Saturday commitment for us, which is hard. But I miss the people. You know what I mean? I, I really the
0: listeners. Yeah, and it was not Would you say it was a commitment? I mean, it was a Saturday morning downtown Minneapolis. So. I mean, it wasn't like it was just an hour show. It was like a three hour for sure event, and half a day that, for sure, half that, a day
2: every Saturday for twelve years. So that was uh, that's a lot. So I, I agree. I think that's you know, if anybody ever asked me, you know, like why did you guys quit the show, and I go, we were out of gas, man. I mean, beyond that, and having you know differences with management, <laughs> but but Other for, than let me put that aside for a second. I think yeah. that was the, the, we were already walking down that fine light on the cliff anyway, and they went, and that's when it, we were done. But that was I, a- I wanted to thank everybody. So thank you and congratulations and good luck.
0: Yeah. And you went down a rabbit hole there. So now I, I will.
2: I, that's my problem is I do. I'm, I'm very <laughs> proud of us, Chris, and I defend us. And, and I, uh, I'm well, it wasn't concerned. that we
0: sucked Andy. It wasn't that
2: we're the number one rated show on Saturdays, bro.
0: Bro. At between like 10 and 1015 10 when they had a lot of commercials. That's when we were.
1: Yeah. All right, boys. Let's stay, let's stay in the future or the, the present now. So uh I got this little scheme going on. I know this has kind of been popular over the years, but I want to hear your thoughts. A scheme. Wow.
2: Let's get a scheme. Are we supposed to be reading the line there? Minnesota property owner give giving a hundred thousand dollar gift cards to buyers. Well, that's very generous. Why don't they just suggest the price?
0: Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's called marketing, Andy. Look at, they got an article
2: yeah.
0: on it. Well, you obviously, can do it as
2: long as everybody's disclosed. I mean, you can't do it if you're financing the property.
0: You got um, it. I was just going to say, the lender needs to be very well aware of that. And I think this was more for like repairs and stuff like that, or what they wanted to do with it. Um, I remember, I think I saw this uh, shoot up, but I think they were giving them, to like Lowe's or Home Depot or something, the gift certificates, but it was, it's an apartment building that was turned into condos. It, so it's kind of a promotional event. And I, I know it wasn't, I think it was the first first amount of people. Yeah, I mean, look at that. So if prices are starting at 79000 and going up to $2.5 I would venture to guess they're not giving away $100,000 gift cards for those $79,000 units. That's just a guess.
2: Yeah, I, well, I, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just not into it. I don't even know what the, you know, the, it didn't look like they had a marina. It didn't look, it just looks like you look at the lake. So that sounds like old farts to it's me. It's up north.
0: It's you up north.
2: There, wow, look at the waves today. They're big.
0: It was, it was interesting. I mean, right when I saw this, I was just talking about this earlier in the week yeah. with uh, a client of mine. I was talking about condo conversions. Remember when those were yeah. the rage, Andy? Oh, yeah. I mean, where people would buy all the apartment buildings up and they'd condo them out and then turn around and sell them. Yeah. And, uh, and it was a huge thing for a while. And then it just, boom, it just got kind of saturated and uh, and it stopped. But that's what that kind of reminds me of. And they also did cool. that with yeah. a hotel in Duluth. And I thought that was really interesting. And you know where, I can't remember what hotel it was called, but it was uh, old Chicago was the restaurant that was underneath it. And they took this old historic hotel and started selling them out. And then the hotel would still rent out your rooms. Oh. It was, it was at the time you're like, Oh, I don't know if it'll work, but I think it turned out pretty good. Um, for the people.
2: There, there's I a think. lot of resorts doing that now down in uh, Florida and Vegas yeah. and you buy for $800,000, you buy this condo. And then they, you can, you can have it, I think two weeks out of the year, where and then, but the big thing is, is that they have a management company managing it, and every yeah. two years they renovate the room at a hundred thousand dollars, and you have to pay that, and then of course the income coming off of it is supposedly pretty decent. You know, there are seven to ten percent return on most of those investments. Um, and, and until you have that you to really like hit,
0: then you could use them yourself
2: as well. Up to two weeks a year. Most of them are only two weeks. Oh well, that sounds like a timeshare. Kinda. Yeah. So it's definitely a place to to rest your money and then uh, the income comes in but you know it comes down to where it's just it's one more thing you're you're basically getting crowdfunding for a hotel is what you're doing
0: yeah they're yeah they're basically getting all the money together uh, paying that one off and going to build another one yeah. leverage the next one that's smart you know so we should start doing let's do it we're gonna do it up in what's that lake here on i saw I saw a picture come and it had your little name on a sign I couldn't believe it yeah they this, this say who
2: owns those things that's a nice
0: well, lot my god you
2: know How thank you yeah the, uh, the the reason the reason why I put the sign up there is because I, I I have a hard time saying no trespassing but what was happening was and it's in it's sheer human curiosity I mean I was one of the first guys to take the trees down level the lot out, put a driveway in of, of the other lots that are there, right? Some of them now have built and surpassed me, but um, I was getting a ton of uh, trespassers, you know, where they were just coming in and taking a look at the lake, looking at what it was, and then they'd leave. And it just, I, I didn't really, you know, I'm not that guy that cares, but I kind of was like, well, what if somebody gets hurt or it's whatever? Kind of so I just put up a, a sign at the end of our driveway with our name on it. And then now it's like almost stopped the the uh, people driving up the driveway. Oh,
0: yeah, but how, how big of a lot is that?
2: Um, 100 foot wide on the lake and then about almost 300 feet deep.
0: Yeah, oh, that's nice. At 298
2: like feet or something. So, yeah, sure. no, it's not, it's plenty of space, but you need it because, you know, they have rules with lakefront, with permeable surface, right? So, and non-permeable. So, can the rain go through it, right? So, you can only have up to 25% of that lot covered with driveways, roofs, um, structures, patios. Um, And so what happens is you have to actually, that's why I bought that lot too, because it was really deep. Some of those other lots you buy up there on the lake are hundred wide by hundred feet deep. Well, now you've got 2,500 square feet, which gets you a nice house with a nice garage, but then you can't have a driveway or you can't have a patio or whatever. So I want to have a a
0: solid driveway.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, I'm already, Hey, I've already been researching doing the old goat path um, where I have the, like the pavers two feet or three feet wide on each side with a gap in the middle. And you just, because I'm telling you, I know I'm going to run out of space because I want to build a barn on that property and have where you can store your your boats and your junk, you know, basically your winter projects. And uh, and then that takes up, you know, whatever. You You know
0: what, Andy, you should look at, that's what Denny Long had done that one time, had Remick over there. And what they do is they take these big cinder blocks and they put them down on the ground and then grow grass in between them so yep. it's solid but it looks like it's all grass it that's
2: pretty. exact that's exactly what I would love to um
0: I'm sure that's not inexpensive
2: I don't I don't think that's the the yeah you don't go that direction because it's inexpensive you go that direction because you have to
0: I don't think a lot of people understand that whole impervious surface calculation now here I mean it's 30 percent uh that you're that you get but I mean that includes like the overhangs of your house I mean it's the envelope of your house so then it there's little tricks and trades of it like a deck. If a deck's attached to the house, it counts differently than if it's not attached to the house. It might look like it's attached but it's not attached. So it's a it's a really interesting um, little little thing that you have to kind of fight through and you gotta you have to know about that. I'm working on a lake lot right now and we're trying to get all of the information. So we can turn around and sell it i mean if people don't have the information they don't know how, how can i only have a 2500 square foot home well in reality it's not going to be 2500 square foot your home is going to probably have a, a foundation size of a thousand so you can get a garage and you can get a, a driveway up. and this sidewalks yeah so then you go up and then there's rules on that and how far you can have it so well that, a, that's why when we were
2: on uh on minnetonka um years ago i was looking at it and I. When I used to be in the landscape lighting business years, years ago, and we would have these landscape lighting, you know, these people call us out and say, Hey, make everything look cool at night. We just had the big, you know, landscaping company come through and now light it up. So it looks cool. So we would come in and light it up. And I always wondered why they went straight up. I mean, these houses sometimes have five feet on the sides and they'd go up two, three stories, whatever the maximum, like 35 feet, I think it is, was, and they would maximize the the cube, Right. And if they couldn't go down, they couldn't go to the side. They couldn't go back or forward. They go up and and that's just the way it is. So um, and, and it's not dumb. I, I actually think it's a really smart idea because who wants to go to the Lake anyway and mow three hours? I mean, I wouldn't even mind having. I just like the privacy of it. You know, I did not want to fight the fight. So I bought the bigger lot. But um, on the other hand, you know, having the nice house there and having, you know, a paver patio down to your dock. Not a lot to you could weed whack, you know, your grass. You're done. It'd be great.
0: Andy, what are those, What were your side yard setbacks?
2: Ah, uh, ten and ten up there.
0: Ten and ten. Okay, you have here, it's a
2: wide house. It's a pretty nice house.
0: Here, yeah, here's a, it's a. Now listen to this rule. Here it's a it's a total of fifteen feet, no less than five feet, but no house from point to point of a neighbor house can be closer than fifteen feet. So so you can be five feet on that lot line. But if any part of your house on a d- direct line to the next house is over 15 feet, you can't do it. So you so can't you might have feed to their view. view. Yeah, you can't be more than 15 feet from house to house, from the point of your house to the point of your house.
2: So that yeah. that uh, that is, you know, when you're doing renovations, that's a really interesting uh, thing to keep in mind. Now, I, I was looking at a house not too long ago on the river in Champlin and that's regulated by the Corps of Engineers. So all of a sudden there's a whole different set of rules and they overrode because it's international waters considered there for whatever reason, I have no idea or national water, national, excuse me, not international national waterway. And yeah. so there's the Corps of Engineers was taking over. So you're dealing with the Corps of Engineers, the DNR and the city of Champlin on, on your project and everybody has a different opinion. And so it is, it is a political, Process to get something approved. So when you wonder why somebody buys a lot and it sits there for a year or two, that's usually why because they're just trying to figure out how to do it correctly and do it in a, a manner that they feel it's worth. You know, so, I mean, think about this: you you start buying lots and you're paying, you know, like on on Prior Lake, you pay a million dollars or more for a lot, or half a million or even higher, right? And then you build a million-dollar structure on it. Now you're into two million. Plus you have to landscape it, and they have to do this, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, docks aren't docs are forty grand. You know, and then to fill the the boat lifts, the boat lifts are, you know, 15 to 20. Then a boat's 100000 I mean, you have to have millions of dollars nowadays to be a a lakefront owner. It's ridiculous. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's just facts. And so you you look at that and then you wonder why they're moving so slow. It's because if you're making that level of investment, you do not want to say, oh, I wish we would have. We should have, could have, would have. And they don't. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Being on the lake has become a very. uh expensive way of living but it's a great way of living as well so
2: you can't be actually you know our but you know our buddy uh slater he had a video out yesterday i thought was kind of cute he's on a pontoon and uh he pulls up to somebody's dock and says oh hey aren't you mary the gal that i sold this house to and she's like yes and then he interviewed her on the dock and she's like i don't care i would never move from here you're gonna take me out of here in a box she goes this is where i want to live this is my lifestyle. This is everything I want to, you know, have in my life. And, and, you know, of course, you know, giving the uh, some of the accolades back to the real estate agent, but it was interesting to hear what she liked about living on the water. She liked the convenience of being able to go for walks and having walkways and then being able to walk just far enough to go to dinner if she wanted to downtown and come back. And so what's interesting is that's, that's kind of where I was coming from. So the lot that I was looking for forever up in, in Alexandria I wanted something that was closer to town. I, I really don't want to have a 25 minute drive to go get a, a you know a donut and a tank of gas for the boat. And and so I I was looking for something that was you know five minutes from a gas station or restaurants or for me it's the Carlos Winery. So that'll be fun with my family um, golf carting home every night. But um, the uh, I'm sure they'll have control. Um, the uh, um, and and so I'll be driving the golf cart um, sober and. Yeah. Always, which is always fun.
0: That's good. Sober Andy's been sober Andy for a long time.
2: Yeah, it's kind of getting sick.
0: He used to be fun, Andy. Then he went to sober Andy.
2: Yeah. Andy <laughs> needs therapy, Andy, now. I don't think
0: anyone believes that you'd need any sort of drug or alcohol to kind of keep your personality up. I just don't think so. That's my I, that's my I haven't
2: – well – I don't know. I, I, uh, like I say, I, I don't, I kind of take it. And sh- People that take it very seriously, I, God bless you. It's, it's a commitment. I act like I don't give a crap. You know what I mean? And then it makes it so much easier. You know what I mean? Like just, it's, it's kind of funny how like, um, over the years, when you get into social environments and everything else, and was like, Oh, you should have a beer. You'll be crazy. And I go, do you, really, do you, do you want, you want me to act crazy You know, I don't think
0: so. Yeah. Well.
2: Yeah. I already get, I already get complaints. It's
0: not, it's, it's, that would be, it's, it's hard to watch. I've, I've seen it. It's, but it is fun. It is fun.
2: We we had a lot of fun. I think we were one of our last trips we did together. We were in Chicago and, and we were, uh, we were, oh my gosh, you and I were troublemakers and having so much fun downtown Chicago. And then I remember the last thing is you were laughing at me and you go, don't you remember asking that lady what you, what she feeds your dragon? And she had this big dragon tattoo going up her leg. And see, that's why I don't, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm just going to, I'll go to bed at 10 o'clock and eat my ice cream. And I don't, <laughs> I don't need people coming up to me saying, what do you feed your dragon? I, I don't, you know.
0: Uh, I. That was
2: funny. Though. I mean, I do admit everybody was laughing when I said it. Oh,
0: oh Laughing? We're all on the ground. That's what, <laughs> you had to see it. So let's just say that. Oh I just bought a house.
2: Woo. Did you think about changing this thing? I didn't think about it either. I made a video about three things you should think about changing. Locks, air filters, fire alarms, carbon
1: monoxide detectors. But the toilet seats? It got me thinking. Did you change yours?
0: Think of what's been there. Here's something my new
2: Construction's that. a solution.
0: Hey, how about the it's the size of some toilets? I mean, yeah. was, I mean, I'll tell you what on on flips that I do, I change toilets out a lot, like a brand new toilet. I think yeah, it just do the taller feels, ones, so people don't yeah. fall.
2: Yeah. a foot and a half to sit down.
0: Yeah, it just makes it nice. But sometimes you get those small bathrooms and you get this small toilet, and
2: yeah. Oh my god, I, I was laughing. Uh, there's uh, uh was it to tip top up in Osakis? Um, there's a little cute little ice cream shop that we stop at all the time. Love it, fantastic food. Been around since like the 40s or whatever it is. Well known in the Alex area. We always sneak that way to go home so we can get a yeah. treat. And you walk into their bathroom. They have a sink that's this big. I'm like, where do you even get sinks this little? And it's it's mounted to the wall, so you you can't even hardly really fit your hands in it to wash your hands. And Why then they, the they have a toilet that's like a miniature toilet down in the corner. I'm like, it, the bathroom and you stand there and the walls hit you. And I'm like. How is this legal
1: <laughs>
0: better than a porta potty I suppose
2: uh, I don't
0: know. Uh, you a lower
2: a- payment when you buy a home, this mortgage trick seems crazy, but the math is real. So let's say you're buying a home that's worth $400,000 and you wanna ask for a $10,000 price reduction. That would drop the price to $390,000. You would lower your monthly payment by $60 a month. But if you leave that price at $400,000 and take that same 10K and use it as a seller credit to do a 2-1 buy down, you would save a total of $476 a month during the first year and $244 a month during the second year. And this is huge because it gets you through the first couple of years with a lower payment and the seller ends up with the same amount. See my caption for how this works. First of all, you're, you're getting a seller to make a concession, which doesn't always happen.
0: No. You're um, assuming you can get that, right?
2: Yeah. And a 2-1 buy-down a lot of times is more expensive than $10,000. I mean, they're they're usually 3.5%, you know, so, I mean, she's really close, but, I mean, 3 3.5% three is what you usually need to do to do some kind of a buy-down or a rate lock-down or whatever to get it where it's... Worth doing, but on bigger homes, it's it is worth it. I mean, we we've talked about some of our big new construction builds where instead of a finished basement, they would give you thirty thousand dollars towards these rate lock buy downs, where they're getting you down back into the fives, and it saves you like a hundred grand over the course of the loan. But you're paying thirty thousand more for the house. Fat facts, right?
0: And or, I mean, the the idea is is that the builder is paying it for you. It's an incentive. So, and they they have to do that. They have to figure out different ways in which to get people in, a la hundred thousand dollar gift cards to a buyer, to the first twenty buyers that purchase that that place. And I mean, it's the same thing. We're gonna find that in the parade of homes. You know, everyone has it. Andy, you, you guys usually always have a special during the parade. Yeah, when you finish in a basement or add in a sport court or a, you know, getting you know a, a combination as well of amenities and closing costs. Yeah. So.
2: It, it It is people like, like you gotta remember, like even when you're going to market with an existing home, people, you know, people to pay cash don't have any issues, but cash buyers want what? A discount usually, right? Or they want some kind of terms that are a little, so a lot of people are turned off by cash buyers. I've been saying this, my builder, one of my builders, he, he hates dealing with it because the demands that they want to make and the way they want to control it because they're cash. and. It, it gets to the point of where cash is becoming the ugly kind of cousin that you don't want to visit. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, even though it's appreciated sometimes, you know, when there's financing challenges, but like right now people come in and you're like, Oh God, here comes a cash buyer. And right. But, it, but it's true. Right. It just so,
0: depends of the mentality of that cash buyer. If that cash buyer thinks that, you know, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread because they're cash and you can just as easy get this guy who's putting 30% down in finance. That doesn't i mean there's there's no difference between that that's there's what i'm just, saying i mean cash. you
2: almost put yourself in the, don't don't quote me on this but you almost put yourself at a disadvantage when you're coming in with cash because they everybody knows that you're going to be trying to ask for some kind of a deal and they don't yeah. want to give deals right now and they don't have to when there's buyers that are willing to give you what you want and they finance it, who cares closing the same experience for a seller unless they have issues with appraisals or have issues with that bank. But most banks right now that are still surviving and thriving in today's world are are dialed in. They're usually pretty darn good.
0: If you only have $300 in the bank, what's the first thing you do?
2: Get your real estate license for probably about $200, $250. And then I would say with the remaining $50, buy the book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller. And that's basically the blueprint of how to become a successful real estate agent. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna grab it off the shelf I don't need it
0: I think <laughs> that guy I think you it. don't even need to get the real estate license the real estate license is one of those things that first of all it's gonna cost you about 1500 but um you don't even need that I mean if you read that book you're gonna be able to sell houses without even being licensed it's magical actually the book is good I've I've read that book probably five times um, and use that. I've just had an interesting encounter with that book one time. And so now I can't, uh, what he's, what is he doing over there?
2: I keep looking at the book. I got it sitting on my shelf next to me. Oh, <laughs> Every, I don't know what it is. Every time Gary Keller writes another book that, that brokerage, the Keller Williams group sends me the book. And so I have a copy of it, which is very appreciated. Thank you, by the yeah. way.
0: Yeah. Um, it is a good, I mean, there's a lot that says, it says a lot in there, but I, don't uh, it's, uh, it's, there's so many things in this real estate business that you can do that you don't like to do and you won't do. So you can take that book and it's this thick and you can make it about this thick on the things that you're willing to do. What you need to do is do what you do good. So take that little chapter in that book that you think you're, that's what you could do. And maybe that's knocking on doors. Maybe that's doing open houses and maybe it's doing um, lead calls or, uh, yeah. Leads from Zillow. I mean, which is fantastic. Maybe it's going into a grocery store and sit by the pineapples and say, "Hey, I can flow you through or sell you a house down in Florida." You know, I mean, you do what you you can do what you do good. But if you you get caught up in these things and you kind of waste your time and you waste many years trying to do things that you're not very good at, and what when you're not very good at it, you won't do it. Fact.
2: Facts. that That is something that I've, I've said to new agents consistently. It's like, hey, when you're a new agent and you're coming into this business, like you just said, Chris, is, is right on the money. What are you good at? Let's focus on that and let's do a lot of that because you're good at it. You like doing it and it's going to get us the quickest, fastest traction on a slippery slope to failing. And, I mean, because there's so many people that join this business and are out of the business in six to 12 months. And I don't remember that you know all the stats on the failure rates. I know, Chris, because you were telling me before about like there's 19,000 in the Twin Cities, but by the end of the year, there'll be so many thousand, you know, there, there's a lot of people getting out. But the, the reality is, is this, heart of an educator, do what you're good at and, and and truly make sure you enjoy what you're doing. And, and I think that that kind of glows. You either glow when you're doing your job and people are like, geez, it, it's not a chore because they enjoy it. And, and there's a lot of people that I think over the years, they've like, well, okay, I'll do a market for you. You know, and they just, I don't want to do it because I hate paperwork. I hate detail. Well, then you're in the wrong business, you know,
0: or, or you go get a partner then, but get a partner that does the things you don't do. Not the same person because you're good buddies and you know, you're going to do the same thing. That's not going to help you. It just doesn't. So,
2: well, I I look at it too like this. So I think what they're talking about, like doing the things that you don't want to do, what does that mean? Um, That's what we're really talking about is how do you procure a relationship with a client? And how do you start that relationship? How do you get that customer to even look at you as being a a possible source of being a real estate agent for them or whatever? And and there's so many techniques that were in the old days where the, you know, hey, farm an area, You, you sell a house in the area and make sure everybody knows that you're that guy in that area or gal in that area, send out your postcards, make phone calls, door knock, do whatever. Well, I think today, a lot of times you end up getting arrested because you're, you know, in the wrong area. People don't want you knocking on their doors. Everybody has a ring doorbell. They look at you and go, I'm not going to deal with this person. And I mean, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, so it gets to a point of where, how do you get to those people? Usually it's through social media. So I say focusing on people, where are their eyeballs? Focus there first. And everybody thinks they're good at Instagram, especially, you know, the young kids. I'm super good at social media. You don't know how to run ads. You don't know, you know, click through rates. You don't know. I mean, all you're doing is getting likes because you're cute. That's different than getting, you know, look at, look at me. How do I get likes? I don't get likes because I'm cute. I get likes because I'm putting good information out there or a good property that people want. And I'll say, hey, here's how you get a great deal on this property. So my value isn't just, you know what I'm saying? It's you got to focus on that stuff. I don't know. You're you're, kind of cute. Thanks. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales, I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, REMAX Advantage Plus, thanks for listening to the show. Ah. I'm back to the um, mug of Jagermeister every morning, Chris.
0: Nice. I recently stumbled upon the knowledge that someone was using my full name and social security number, and they bought a house while I was in Iraq.
2: Oh, man. This property is
0: actually just 10 minutes away from my current house, and I'm finally ready to buy a home. That's great. This is how I found this all out. What in the world should my first steps be? Call the cops. I would love to actually take just take this house and the equity it's accumulated. Is that even an option? Not if it was bought on fraud. I mean, you're, how did, I mean, you had to have corrupt people within that transaction. I mean, if if it was cash, I mean, that's one thing, but if there's a lender involved, I mean, the lender had to look at your ID, you know, and pull all the, everything that you needed up. There's a title company that would have had to check on that person. I mean that happened
2: search just that seems
0: really rare.
2: That that is weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, just uh, uh, I mean, no. I just. Hey, I, I I had one no similar.
2: Chris, I had one similar to this. It was the um. Hey, uh, I went to This was actually a client of mine said they went to buy a. They wanted to buy a house, right? So they started running their credit and running their whatever to get the process started with us. They go out there and they find the lender says, "Well, you already you already have a cosign on a property up in St. Paul, and you know right now with your credit and whatever, because you've been missing payments on that house, your credit score is lower, and we really can't help you. You're going to have to get your payments back up, show that somebody's paying you rent on that property." And my buyer goes, "I have no idea what you're talking about. It was a brother." that took the identity the id looked like him everything else went in signed everything for him like pre-signed right and got all of that done as a co-signer and then all of a sudden so they were using his credit same thing super busy contractor has you know lots of big deposits in his in his account because he's a contractor and and completely co- just for a co-sign and 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 then this dummy that that borrowed the money that did all this fraudulent stuff is a, is a brother so then it's like they're sitting there. And I mean, this kid's still, I've, we've been battling this for five years.
0: Yeah. So sad.
2: What a jerk. Yeah. And he doesn't want his brother to go to jail or whatever for identity theft. But on the other hand, it's like I said, I go, he should be able to refinance you off of that by now. I mean, after five years and they go, they can't because he's missing payments every once in a while or he's late pay. And so and, then he can't even get off the mortgage.
0: Yeah. And so his credit, the brother's credit is getting hit now too. Every Correct. payment that's missed is on the brother as well.
2: Correct. Wow. Yeah, it, it man, it's yeah. a weird world. Yeah. Be careful.
0: Be careful co-signing with people. Know, know what you're dealing with and who you're working with. It's, it's much easier and better to um, do a second mortgage or a gift than it is to be on the loan with someone. And that watch out. When you're getting divorced on that as well, because that's another big thing that happens is people are like, OK, hey, you're going to get the house. You take care of it. And they leave and they take off and all of a sudden a year or two later they're like you know what i want to go buy a house and then they found out their credit's horrible because the spouse has missed seven payments in the last two years that's your credit it's on your credit so make sure that you uh really yeah. keep an eye on that
2: yeah that happens more than we think chris because with interest oh. rates where they are now it there's a lot of people that hey we bought a million dollar house together and the payments you know four thousand dollars a month well now you try to refinance, now it's $7,000 a month. And the individual can't afford it individually. So it forces them to sell that house in this kind of an environment. Whereas in the past when rates were low, a lot of times you could assume it, um, or you could, you know, whatever. And um, no.
0: it's a mess. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results.
1: I found- Whoa little
0: little lake home here a Crystal Lake. I lived on Crystal Lake um, back in let me see. it was before it was like 90 95 95 until 95. So it was a quick one. i moved over but uh, it's a it's a small lake. I mean it's a nice lake. I would say it's probably the lake uh, that's maybe the it depends. I think between that orchard and that, Lake Marion is getting more money than what these are. It's just a little bigger. There's a lot of lily pads and stuff on this lake, but um, it's in a great location. Uh, a lot of large homes on it. For million 150, 3 bedroom, three bath, about 2,300 square feet. You're, um, you're, uh, I think you're sitting pretty good with that house right there uh that's a that's actually a really good price to be on on the land can i see a little more about the facts of the features there yeah okay so built 1980 four-car garage i mean one of the biggest things when it comes to lakeshore is getting storage space you just don't get it if you can get a garage like that that's a huge thing there's a real benefit to that i mean it's on a third of an acre so for a lake lot that's very nice it looks like the shoreline's really good um i mean that's set up for a complete lifestyle i would i'm curious is the, the house not in that great of shape because
2: yeah I would, would be a little, stuff.
0: I would think it would be a little more than what this is and that's a good look too
2: which house is it oh there we go yeah
0: there you go yeah i mean that's open and they've updated it and Wow. I'm, you know, that, that might be a little weird. There's a lot of missing room right there. I think if I'm buying that house, I mean, you, you see that whole uh, turret out there that's kind of cut off. You could maybe extend that to that wall and get more space up and down. But I'm sure you can see up. Um, but, uh, I mean, nice. That looks like two different kitchens, but yep. it looks in really good condition for uh, for what it is. Okay, so it's a loft bedroom. I bet you the bedroom situation is different, but it makes it great for like an urban cabin, you know. And a lot of people are doing that. I mean, up to a million, million and a half for cabins. I mean, I sold, I sold three last year that were all second homes from two to two and a half million on Prior Lake. But yeah, all of this is good. I mean, it's got some, you know, it's got the the tub like that. But this is a lot of lot of house um, for the money here.
2: I agree. That's cool. Yeah, I, I was thinking kind of the same thing. I was like, "Wow, that's a nice house for a little over a million bucks." You know, and yeah. uh,
0: seems like a lot of wasted room. Go back to that one picture, then. Does that Andy? I mean, this is how they used to do it. See that little balcony there? Yes. Yeah, that oh, one.
2: Yeah, that that's just for you know, drama. That's that yeah. dramatic. I mean, you
0: could easily extend that wall and make that. You could do some really good things. There's therein lies. A way in which to probably change the whole feel of that house. I really think it does because you get that big main floor um, living. And I don't know where the bedrooms are, but
2: I agree with you. I think I'd, I would do the same thing because I don't know if there's really much benefit to having the basement open to the upper levels. Um,
0: and you just do it like a deck. You just put kind of a joist on the end and connect that whole thing, create that ceiling, get rid of that fireplace and that post. Yeah, and uh, that little that little drop oh, down, out. yeah. I mean, you could you could really do some fun things with this. But I think sometimes people look at it and say, "Oh my gosh, I can't do nothing with that," and it stops them from buying it. When these are the kind of things you can get really good deals and on. if they
2: found with green carpet like that.
0: Hey, it's like
2: they like the golf golf course carpeting.
0: That's right. It is yeah. not. That's that's indoor out. It's turf. They just they have irrigation. No, I'm kidding. So,
2: but, I come to a garage. Yep.
0: yep, I think that one's a. I think that one could be an interesting little deal. That what
2: it looks like from the street? Go back to the last yeah. photo.
0: That's why they last until the very end, Andy. That's uh-huh. why they put that photo at the end because that was not too exciting of a front, was it?
2: I was like, right womp, 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 womp.
0: Yeah, it doesn't give you that feel that what you get on the other side of it. So, can
2: you imagine you you look at all the other photos? You never get to the last photo. Your book is showing. And then you pull up to the driveway and go, this is not the same house. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That makes you, realtor, look at the MLS before you go show a house. A lot of people don't. So we've been having, just so you know, a, a lot of people that are some weird companies. open. I mean, not that they're weird, but Open Door is showing buyers now. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. And I'm sure it's like leads. They're trying to get their agents business because they're not probably buying as much. But those are typically probably internet leads and they're not showing up and they're like, and then so people, what they do is they turn around and set up a showing on your house, get the seller all excited, get it all cleaned up and ready to go. Then they leave and they say, oh, person, their schedule changed. No, you never had them anyway. So real important to be able to try to talk to these people, but they they like to not tell you the truth too.
2: You'll have to get me all worked up on that later because I didn't hear anything about that yet.
1: Yeah. So, all right, Chris, got to go bye bye. Andy, I got a nice little segment for you here. This or that, we're gonna go Brooklyn or Moundsview or Brooklyn Park.
2: Let's do it. Oh, you want me to do it? Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so, uh, when it comes down to like cities, um, growing up in Brooklyn Park, I, I was a Minneapolis kid. And kind of funny, I'll give you a quick little story. As a Minneapolis kid growing up, um, grew up over by kind of Patrick Henry tells about, I think, seven. And then my parents, my mom was from a small town out in western Minnesota. She goes, I want, you know, husband, I want to get the, the kids out to the farm. And so kind of where they can see, you know, more fields and kind of appreciate that farm life. So, Nick, we literally moved from Minneapolis to Brooklyn Park. And as a kid, I rode dirt bikes, um, worked on farms, worked on potato farms. Uh, worked on a tree farm. Uh, I mean, so I grew up in a Brooklyn Park that was completely different than nowadays, where it's fully mature, right? So, um, but Brooklyn Park's a great area. Lots of complete diversity on price, right? So you have everything from your entry level houses to your executive level homes up on the golf course. Even across the six ten area, you have a ton of new builds that were built, um, very modern, very nice. Um, you know, easy traffic. You know, getting on uh, six ten right downtown. You're downtown in about 15 minutes. So it's a, it's a great, I I've always loved Brooklyn park. Um, despite all of its, uh, all of its tumultuous, uh, you know, I don't want to say they make stuff up, but it, you know, it, it's had its pros and its cons. And I think back when Jesse Ventura, they, they, uh, elected him, the mayor of Brooklyn park, it really was kind of an interesting place to be at that time as a kid in the eighties and growing up into the nineties and having that, uh, but, I loved it I, I wouldn't have done it any other way now when you go over to a uh, area like moundsville which is really nice you have a lot of um smaller homes on big lots which is kind of the way i remember that area you know and, and think of that area they have fantastic schools a lot of people are very very into their schools there um so a lot of people will move there buy a house either renovate it or you know build something new it's kind of like a, a rejuvenation area um but great on the inner loop of the of the cities there so same thing very close on even closer than brooklyn park for a commute to downtown and when you're in Moundsview, you also have the commute to st paul which is a little easier to to do as well because you're kind of right in between both cities on the inner loop um so great close to shopping and everything so i like both cities i don't i don't know i mean only i picked brooklyn park only because um I grew up there, and I know everything about Brooklyn Park. And if anybody ever has any questions, you um, the old Spud Fest and all that fun stuff over the years. And um, so Brooklyn Park's been good to me um, over the years.
1: Good job, Andy. Um, let's answer some questions here. Greg's got a, a couple. Yeah. okay. Uh, where's Greg's first one?
2: I'll get back to my uh, coffee.
1: What, what can you do when the seller's ex-spouse won't sign off on the deed?
2: Ex-spouse won't sign off. Well, she shouldn't be your ex-spouse unless you. A couple of things. So th- this used to happen um, back in the day. I used to do some. Uh, I, I still will if the right deal comes along. But developing, and we bought a piece of land. This was over in Maple Grove, and the buy the piece of land actually couldn't clear the title because the farmer that was selling it back in the day um, had a divorce um, that was was while he owned that property, he had a divorce. They signed everything and separated and whatever else, but they never signed her off on the actual ownership of the, or off on the deed of the farmland. So when it came to us making an offer, she had to approve the whole thing, um, demanded an extra $10,000 and wanted a cut of whatever he made on that. And she said that it was her right. And that's why she strategically did that. And guess what happened? She got her cut because they, uh, when you get a divorce, the, the one, so I guess I'm kind of going all the way around the building here. Sorry. When you get a divorce, your attorney has to make sure that all of those um, obligations and marital rights and things are extinguished and a- acknowledged. You have to do make sure that you explore all of your options when you're getting divorced, like uh, asset exploration, and make sure that every asset has been identified and located. That's why first thing they'll tell you is to make a list of all the things that you own, including real estate or whatever. Um, when you go and you um, do that and you take somebody off of a deed, you want to see the deed. You don't want to just say, oh, sure, they're off the deed because they, this decree says it's they're gone. It's not the case. You want to make sure that they're off of that deed. And as terms of the divorce decree agreement, they will agree to sign off at no dollars or a certain dollar amount or, you know, hey, they sign off on the farm, but they get the speedboat or whatever it is. And so there's a lot of negotiating there. The other thing I would say is this before, um, you know, I've had several customers do this where all of a sudden they fall in love and they own a property and you know they they uh, have a, a significant other that moves into the property and to help out that person says hey let let me contribute some money towards the mortgage buy down and um, or they've also helped with down payment assistance when buying properties and as a protective uh thing the 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 original buyer is allowing them to be put on the deed and what they really should be doing is something that's really interesting is instead of putting somebody on your deed which it, it's a legal process to have that done. I mean, they don't have to, you're giving them the rights to the deed when you put them on there. So you have to sometimes pay them to get them off that deed. What I would say is filing a second mortgage or a lien against a property for the amount that they helped you with or the deposit they gave you uh, is a lot easier so that when you, if you ever decide that in the future, your relationship is over and you having that agreement up front is a lot easier to, to separate in the future if the agreement's made up front. So it, it's like, a uh, don't just throw them on the deed out of out of puppy dog love and, oh, they should have their, you know, don't do that. Um, you, you should should always consult an attorney um, or an accountant or both, and then uh, make sure that your assets are protected and that whatever they give, make the arrangement up front that if, if we ever decide to not continue this relationship, this is what you get when you get your money back. And you don't want to figure it out when you're in the heat of a battle, um, because guess who wins there? Nobody except the attorneys. So...
1: Beautiful. Andy, I think this is kind of up your alley. I think you're a Lord of the Rings type of guy, movie watcher. There's a Hobbit home for sale. Oh, in Minnesota. God, I want to just get your thoughts on it, then we'll wrap the show. Okay. Are you a Lord of the Rings guy?
2: No. I don't have the attention span for movies. I, I fall asleep or I, oh my God. Wow. That's a doomsday prep house there.
1: Yeah, definitely a, a unique little piece of. Hold on, here we go. I got a. dirt right, so oh, that's AC. Sample. This went up for our sale in Duluth. Two hundred thousand uh, dollar. Tiny little hobbit
2: home. Why do they? Why do they call it a hobbit home? Is it? Is it uh, decorated? You see it, it's made it? into the ground. Oh, that's just an earth home. See, you're you're young. That uh, when we were when Chris and I were starting in our careers. That was very common for energy efficiencies. they bury these houses underground, looks like a half house, or sometimes people would build a home where they'd have the basement. And then you could eventually decide if you want to build an upper level later. So it was a way to get into a house. They would do the rubber coating around the top, cover it with dirt or whatever else, and they call it earth home. So you get that insulation factor, um, low heating bills, very efficient. Um, And so kind of like a hobbit living under a tree, I guess, or whatever you're kind of, when you say that, what...
1: Yeah, it says, um... It was built in 1986. So maybe this is what you're talking about. And then it's got 10 car garages. Oh, my (laughs) gosh.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the big thing there, too, Nick, is that the the lack of lighting is what detours a lot of people. Natural light. So that's why they have a couple of, uh, you know, those those sky home or lights there. And you got to remember, like, those bedrooms are all in the front there. So those are, you know, you have to have, you know, access to get out of the home. So big quantity of bedrooms doesn't usually work for an earth home. Because you only have the, you know, your family room in the front, your kitchen, maybe. And, you know, and the, anyway.
1: So these guys have a fashion. They were more popular back in the day.
2: Yeah, but you know what? Everything that goes away comes back. And I, I could see where someone could, you know, thinking about using geothermal heating systems and solar and a lot of these. I mean, you can almost have a zero uh, net home on your hands real easy with having an earth home with, you know, using the geothermal heating systems where, you know, they go down a little deep. Now, granted, they cost you about 40 grand-ish, give or take. They go down and they they bring water back to the house that's, you know, 57 degrees. Because I think it's the, you know, you go down 30, 40 feet, that's like the consistent temperature down there's like 58 degrees. Um, and so what happened even in the winter, so it goes down, warms up that water naturally, brings it back up. So now just running those pumps, um, you, you can have your house up to almost 60 degrees just by running, you know, the floor, uh, tubing in the floors. And then they also use like the heat pumps and things like that, where they can have uh, a fan on top of it and add with a little assistance, uh, maybe from a solar system or from a gas. Uh, but a lot of times when you're out a little farther and you're off the grid, you're using propane or you're using wood. And then there's, there's ways to integrate that too, Nick. You can actually have where you you've seen that, where they look like a little shed off to the side of a house, and they'll actually you know do a wood burner out there and that wood burning warms up the again the water a hydraulic system where it warms up that water or the glycol or whatever it is and it brings it back to the house and then so you could have that assisting the natural heat from in the ground and works pretty good the only disadvantage is air uh very damp um homes um so you do have to constantly be dehumidifying those houses because just the natural you know soils around you are are usually wet unless you're up on a hill or something like that so um, a mildewy, damp kind of smell is very common in a house like that.
1: You're like an encyclopedia, Andy, on housing and building. It's it's
2: quite... Oh, well, you know, it's been, I tell you, you know, it's not not by choice. I've just, out of all the years I've sent out there, I thank my customers because I have customers that come in all the time and ask me the, the question that they're like, hey, have you ever thought about this? Or have you ever used this kind of a product? And so What's well, really kind of fun for young agents that are out there, if you want to get a lot of exposure to exciting, new, innovative products, new construction is a very exciting uh, place to put yourself because y- you'll have those people, especially if you're doing custom builds, they're going to come in there and there's always something new. There's always something that's innovative. There's always something that's, you know, the newer, better, best, you know, kind of version of what's out there. Um, you know, and I mean, I've, I've got people now asking me about these, you know, um, like the 3D printers and saying, you know, Hey, I've heard that now they can, they can build a whole house, uh, with a machine granted the ones that I've seen are done with concrete now I don't know if you've seen that neck down in Brazil but um, as you as you it's it's in some of those areas it's it's very common to do it's easy to do they can they can make a concrete very simple you know one or two bedroom house and you still have to do electric you still have to do the plumbing none of that can be done within that so they a lot of times print it in the concrete so it literally is a, a crane if you google it and it, it literally like prints the the walls, and then they stop, put electric, they put plumbing in, then they keep going. So it's kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what over the next, you know, a uh, couple decades here, what, what innovations are going to be made to help make houses more affordable or attainable. And, and that's a key thing is, is that, you know, the underlying is that everyone needs a place to live. Right. And people are willing to work to have a place to live, you know, trade labor, or tr- whatever. Right. Some people have jobs. Some people want to swap things. It's, you know, uh barter systems, but at the end of the day, people need a place to live. And not everyone wants to live in an apartment and we have plenty of open spaces and plenty of open land around that we could still build on and without draining all of our resources. But how do we do that properly? How do we do that efficiently? How do we, I mean, are they smaller lots? And see, I I think what happens is it's my generation and and older, the Gen Xers that say, I want the big yard, right? I have to have the, the one and a half acre, half acre, bigger lot. And I want to have the big mower. Everything has to be irrigated. Everything has to be fertilized that's a lot of wear and tear on the community. I mean, if you think about it, you've got, you're running gas mowers, you're running different big things of fertilizer, you're draining the water tables to to irrigate your yards. And, you know, and a lot of that doesn't have to necessarily be done, Um, you know, with a smaller postage stamp, you know, the old Minneapolis style of of architecture, they designed those communities to have smaller yards and then everyone goes to the park for the green space. And so they have an alleyway to a garage. If they had a garage, they would have their house, there'd be little or no lot, you know, just enough space. And then you go to the park when you want to hang out or throw the frisbee to the dog so i think those kind of communities are going to start coming back just from an attainable affordability perspective um but we'll see maybe i'm wrong
1: yeah i hope the whole 3d printing helps out the the housing crisis i think uh, it should eliminate a lot of costs don't you think
2: well not only just costs, but i mean nick here's the thing uh, i was just talking with some of my guys on the job site. So i think the average plumber is 58 years old or something crazy i mean the plumbers union can tell you the the stats there's a lot of old tradesmen out there right now working and tradeswomen that are out there working, right? There's not a lot of young guys coming in. The young bucks that used to come in and, oh, I'll teach you how to do it, old man, and I'll do it bigger, faster. There, there are some, but there's not enough. So I know, especially with like finishing carpenters and the plumbers, the trade unions, there's a, there's going to be a lack of labor available to us. So like even like our, our my, my guys hanging in my cabinets and putting my trim, doing my doors, they're like in their 50s and they're like we got nobody when we put out a application for a job for hire we got nobody to apply cuz they don't want to work this hard and and i'm not i'm not trying to paint a big brush of everybody's lazy that's not what i'm saying it's just people have different interests and we should start teaching our children that it's 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 a gift and it's still a wonderful valued skill in today's society to work with your hands and to be a craftsman or you know and i'm not saying that to be sexist i'm saying or women right i mean all in general all of us as humans and and teaching kids it's okay work with your hands build things be proud of yourself um, you know fix things that that's where our world is going to need that that skill set really soon here and it's going to become very apparent because prices aren't going to go down when there's nobody to do the work where do you think they're going to go when nobody's there to do your work and you got to hire the only plumber in town he's not going to be hundred bucks an hour anymore he's going to be six hundred bucks an hour and if you want to fix it and you don't know how to do it yourself you're going to pay six hundred bucks an hour so it's it's going to be interesting times unless we can talk some of these youngsters into Jumping into the trades, which I highly recommend they do.
1: Beautiful. All right, guys. Hey, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Write us a review on iTunes, uh, Spotify, and send in any questions you have. Click the link tree. The websites and every uh, platform we are on is there.
2: Appreciate the follows, guys.
1: Ciao, ciao.